Ultimate Escape is a family-friendly ministry that addresses sexuality. Some episodes may contain sensitive terms and subject matter, especially for younger children. Hello and welcome to the Ultimate Escape Podcast. I'm David Chenault. This week, we're going to get down to the basics. The basics of who we are. You know, science a long time ago determined that all the matter we see, the diverse world that we live in, is actually made up of the same basic components. Well, the same thing could be said for people. Our personalities are all based on core values, core beliefs. Unfortunately, though, the core beliefs that we all hold are not always true to reality. How we recognize those things, how we deal with those things, well, that makes up, again, who we are and how healthy relationships we have. Today, we're going to talk with Steve Holliday about our core values, core beliefs, and discover how we can begin the journey from who we are to who we were made to be. Join us on the Ultimate Escape Podcast. So good morning in the studio today. We've got Steve Holiday once again. Hello, how are you? Hey, good morning. Doing well today. So uh, we want to talk about something that uh, is kind of core to all of us. Um, uh, you know, we talk about strengthening our core in workouts and, and weightlifting and that kind of stuff. Um, but there's something even more deeper than our core of our body, and that's, I guess, our core of our spirit, our soul, um, our mind. Let's mm-hmm. talk about core beliefs today. Uh, what, uh, what is a core belief? As I would define it, it's something that feels true at a, just at a gut level. Uh, I don't necessarily have to agree with it logically, or I may, I may think different logically, but somewhere inside, this is just what feels true, so it has become my default. So what role does that serve then on a daily basis for us? Well, I think all of us are, are guided uh, by what feels true. When, uh, you know, when any kind of a situation where we're reacting uh, subconsciously, whatever feels true, what that, that set of beliefs that have uh, been adopted over a lifetime, uh, that's what we respond from. If we look at thought, feeling, behavior uh, as a triangle, uh, my behavior is guided by what I think and what I feel. So the emotional energy in that moment uh, and what, what uh, either what I believe or what I'm thinking uh, those two working together produces behavior. So you're talking about thought, a thought thinking behavior triangle. You're talking about each one of those things, thoughts uh, are thinking, feeling, feeling and behavior behavior are each kind of corners on a triangle together. And so as one moves, the other two move. Right. Each one is affected by the other two. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and we've talked a little bit about that that in the past, I believe, about the idea that that it's all interconnected. It's not, you don't have feelings independent of everything else. Right. And so... um, so in terms of these core beliefs, now and mention again, how does that fit into that triangle there? So the, that, that corner of the triangle, the belief or the thinking side, uh, I would say has two layers. One, logically, just stream of conscious thought. What am I thinking right now? Uh, for example, you know, we're sitting in the studio across from each other. I see your shirt and I think, hey, it's a blue shirt. So that's got, you know, blue checkered pattern. But that's a stream of conscious thought. I'm aware that I'm thinking that. Right. Uh, but down below that is the much larger uh, area in our thinking of uh, subconscious. Uh, of course, it's it's just constantly processing. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Bruce Lipton, in his book, The Biology of Belief, uh, mentions that the subconscious is able to process a million times faster than the conscious. Now, I don't know enough to know, you know how, how he arrived at that uh, 
conclusion, but uh, let's assume that it's even in the right ballpark of accurate. Okay, then that means that we are much more guided by things that feel true at a core level than we are what we believe at a conscious or what we're aware of at a conscious level. Um, I work a lot with clients on, uh, in, in a moment, what feels true. Uh, if I'm struggling with a behavior or if there's conflict in our relationship, you know, hey, a minute ago everything was fine and all of a sudden now it feels like we're at each other's throat. Okay, something happened. Okay, so what just happened? Uh, where's the energy and what felt true in the moment? Okay, well, what felt true when that person, when I heard them speak their tone of voice, it felt like uh, they're angry at me or it felt like I did something wrong. Now, I wasn't even aware in that moment of what I was thinking. I just, I'm just responding. Right, right. Uh, and, and so, it, you know, all this happens lightning fast. Um, but if we're not aware of, of what exists deep within our core of what feels true, then we're blind uh, to, its, uh, to that dynamic on us. Dr. Lipton talks about the fact that um, by the time a child is six, you know, the, 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 you know, the first six years, they're forming all these beliefs. Just every experience we have, everything that we observe, uh, how we're treated by other people, in all of those interactions and observations, we're forming beliefs. Uh, you know, I've got a granddaughter who just turned nine months old. Uh, you know, she's in that phase of life where they're just constantly learning about the world, but the way she's interacting with parents, with you know, with other family members, with other people, you know, she's just learning, learning, learning. So all these core beliefs are being planted right, right now. So where do we assign those truths? Because for me, sometimes I'm skeptical. I'm I'm curious. I'm confused. <laughs> so. How does that process of assigning truth to that, mm-hmm. how does that actually work? Because I'm not even sure what's true and what's okay, not so true. So let's, let's explore for a minute. You said skeptical. Yeah. I'm skeptical because what feels true about other people. Because core beliefs fall under one of three categories. Right. Beliefs about self, beliefs about others, beliefs about God. Okay. Now, you know, the belief about God, maybe there is no God, but that's still, a, that's a belief right. about God. Right. Okay, so beliefs about others. Right. What, what feels true about other people. Okay, so just what, like I'm, we're sitting here in the studio, mm-hmm. it feels true that you're a bodybuilder because your arms are about three <laughs> times larger than my arms are, and I feel like the truth is you're much stronger than me. So is that, am I, am I assigning deep, deep within me, I'm assigning truth to what I see. So for example, the physical world around me, I see reactions, I see physical things, and I'm making assumptions or making truths out of that evidence that I'm yeah, witnessing. Yeah, and that's probably more on the logical level. Okay. Okay, but now let's go deeper, beliefs okay. about self. Okay, so you're you're around somebody that physically appears stronger. How do you feel in that moment? Uh, weaker. Because what feels true. That I'm not as strong as the person with me. Okay, and let's take that a level deeper. Okay. Um, is that a neutral thing, a good thing, or does that feel like a bad thing? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, okay. Hi- hypothetical. Uh, that yeah. you know, person they could feel like I'm supposed to be as strong as that person. Right. And I think as men, that's a pretty normal. We we compare ourselves. I mean, they, little boys do it, men do it. We compare ourselves with everybody that we see. Right. And so, the, just we're, you know, we're kind of exploring example here of core belief. Okay. Well, if I have a core belief somewhere that I don't measure up, I'm I'm not enough. And I would argue that's one of the four most common core beliefs people struggle with. I don't measure up. I'm not enough. I'm not as good, I'm not as strong, I'm not as smart, I'm not as wealthy, I'm not as capable. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Right, right. And so 
logically walk into a restaurant, step up to order, and the person in line next to me, they're a foot taller and 100 pounds heavier, 100 pounds heavier in a, in a respectable way, not a jelly donut kind of way. <laughs> right, right. Man, if, I, if there's a core belief in me that I don't measure up, I can be not only intimidated from a safety standpoint, I can feel shame. It's like, oh, there's something wrong with me because I don't look like that person right there. So does that core belief come from that in that moment, my feeling of inadequacy or my feeling of intimidation, is that something that's linked to a core belief that has been written years before? Or is it something that at this moment, he's just bigger than me and I'm smaller I, and I'm, I feel inadequate? Yeah, I would think that that goes way back. Okay. Uh, again, to, to borrow that idea uh, from Dr. Lipton, uh, in the first six years, core beliefs are being planted, planted, and then we're operating kind of out of that. It's like a, like a, a CD. Um, okay, a CD gets burned. Okay, so all the information is being put on and stored onto the CD, and then it gets, you know, it's permanent. Right. Now that thing is just, um, and I know you kind of antiquated technology already. You know, <laughs> <laughs> people listen to this and think, CDs, what's a CD? What's a CD? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, but once that's on that, uh, you know, a CD, DVD, that, that thing just spins and, and it's being read. Right. And so the, the player is operating from what's stored on the CD or the DVD. Okay, right. so that's our subconscious. What, whatever's in there, we're suddenly operating out of what's already there. So in that moment of, hey, I feel shameful or there's, I feel like I don't measure up, yeah, that's not coming from in the moment. Right. That's coming from something that's buried way back there. And the inherent problem with CDs and why we don't use them very often in modern technology is because they are permanent. They're not rewritable. So if there's an error in there or if there's... I decide I like a different song. Mm -hmm. I can't change that CD. Once it's burned, it's burned. And so I've sought out a new technology that allows me to rewrite. Can we rewrite those core Absolutely. beliefs? Absolutely. Uh, but it's much easier said than done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, there are some therapeutic ways of, uh, of fast-tracking that. Uh, but it basically allows uh, the right and left hemispheres of the brain uh, to bridge and connect, and it gives me an opportunity to process uh, a trauma from somewhere in the past. Uh, and in doing that, I can uh, peel apart the emotional impact from that. Uh, and now it gives me a chance to, okay, let me look and see what felt true in that moment, what is true. Uh, and I can take the emotional piece out of that so that as, as I heal from that, uh, that traumatic event, now as I move into the future, uh, I don't get triggered to the same extent that I have in the past. Gotcha. Um, so now when I'm in a similar situation or when I see something or when I feel that same feeling that I felt in the traumatic moment, I'm not reliving all of the emotion from that event. Right. And it becomes much more of a, my, my brain can process it as just a, it's a memory, it's a fact, it happened. Uh, but I'm not held captive by all of the emotional baggage that uh, I would be otherwise. And and correct me if I'm wrong, we've had this conversation before, similar conversation, that most of my behavior, if I am trapped in that kind of situation of a core belief that uh, that has been written permanently from way before, um, a lot of my behavior, whether I understand that's what I'm doing or not, is done to kind of try to do that myself, try to minimize that that occurrence 
and that that uh, that event so that it doesn't seem as powerful as I mean, isn't that what we by default our, our defense mechanism yeah. is trying to do? Right, just it doesn't work. It doesn't, <laughs> and, and those behaviors often become destructive in other ways, if that's correct. Yeah, and and you know one of the common uh, approaches is people well, just don't think about that. Well, wow, what what wonderful advice that was. Don't think about that. A, t- a totally ineffective attempt yeah. to to just not have to deal with. Uh, with a trauma, but to come back to that concept of the, of what feels to that core belief, right? Okay, so um, I'm in a situation. Uh, there, there's mental friction. I, I don't like what's happening, but I'm not able to to do anything about it. Whether that's I'm trapped in an elevator, or I'm in a, a war environment and I'm being shot at, or you know explosions are going off, or I'm I'm driving, you know my my Humvee across the desert and i see the humvee in front of me you know get blown up by an ied mm-hmm. um, I, i'm powerless i can't keep it from happening and so all of the, what's going on is is trauma now i get out of that situation okay what feels to I'm, I'm just driving my car down the road well somewhere down inside i'm just i'm back in the us i'm driving down the interstate but something inside is is producing high level of anxiety mm-hmm. uh, because i'm driving down the road and it feels like something bad is fixing to happen. It feels like I'm not safe. Right. Okay, that's, um, so that core belief that gets planted, uh, whether it gets planted when I'm two years old, based on something that happened between me and my parent, uh, whether it's when I'm eight years old on the playground at school, uh, wherever it happens, once that belief gets planted, that's what I'm operating from. And I guess I, that's, I'm glad that you brought up that example because we, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, which is a lot of times what we, we talk about uh, a result of that, we hear that in the news. We're, we're familiar with that in terms of a military or mm-hmm. a uh, uh, experience, overseas experience, something like that. Uh, we, we know soldiers come back with that. But the truth of the matter is that the, the, the trauma that occurs, um, although perhaps most popularly known in that scenario it can be any kind of trauma, right. and people can suffer from that similar debilitating um, results of what we would call post-traumatic stress syndrome from any kind of event, whether it's emotional or, or psychological, sexual, any kind of event right. that happens anywhere at any age. Right. And obviously with Ultimate Escape, I mean, what our ministry focuses on is sexuality. And so I work with many clients who are dealing with post-traumatic stress following whether it's a one-time sexual assault or lived through years and years of, uh, of sexual abuse. Um, but the core issue is the trauma. But in that trauma, core beliefs get planted. Um, beliefs about myself. I'm bad. I'm dirty. Um, I'm, uh, I'm less than. I'm not going to be wanted. If a man finds out what happened to me, he's not going to want me in a sexual way. I'm speaking as a, as a female who's been sexually assaulted, maybe as a child, uh, or who's experienced a rape. Right. In fact, that's a very common... Uh, you're, you're aware that Holly and I have done a lot of work in Uganda through the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very common belief there with uh, rape, rape victims. Because in that culture, if a man's wife has been raped, he won't want her sexually anymore. Uh, and that that's just the, the harsh reality of that culture. Now, I'm not saying it's limited to that culture. I found the same thing in Brazil. And so I, I'm, I'm recognizing there are a number of cultures. It's not just one right, thing, right. Uh, where that belief gets, um, gets lived out in the way somebody makes decisions to not tell a spouse. It's like, hey, walking home from uh, from the river today, I was raped by a man. And now when I get home, I'm not going to speak of it. 
because I don't want my husband to know. And so I'll just bury that now, but it's going to have an effect on me every day of my life. Sure. So I want to go back to these core beliefs. We talk core truths because we mentioned what I'm feeling at the moment. What do I feel as true is often, if not almost always, is not the actual truth. Right. It's not accurate. What is true is what feels true is not true. And Mm -hmm. so how do we better train ourselves? How do we better uh, help our children to recognize truth for what it is, the real truth, and implant that as opposed to the truth that I'm perceiving to be, which is often mm-hmm. not the truth. The, the phrase is used in recovery where we are wounded in relationship, but we heal in relationship. So I would say one of the biggest ways to help our kids is to, in, in our relationship with them, in our interaction, we're reinforcing the truth, the, the positive beliefs. Uh, how we treat them uh, will either communicate that they are uh, they're valued, uh, that they are safe, that we respect them, or it will communicate that they're not important or they're not as important as work or not as important as our cell phone or as social media. Um, they're not as important as fill in the blank, as, as sports, as whatever. So sometimes we just have to recognize that what I'm communicating in a moment is teaching my children something. So when I'm busy, you know, it's, you know, and communicating is not always talking. It's, right. it's it's modeling as well as right. talking. So years ago, the stereotype: Dad comes home from work, sits down in the recliner, picks up the paper. Don't interrupt him when he's reading the newspaper. Okay, so you know, three-year-old comes up with a drawing that he's or a coloring, uh, and wants to show his dad, and dad says, "Not right now. Go away." And maybe he doesn't say "go away," just "not right now." In that interaction, many beliefs have the chance to get planted. Um, I'm not important. Dad doesn't really want me. There's something wrong with me. If I were a better son, if I were a better person, Dad would pay attention to me. I mean, all kinds of possible beliefs that get planted there. Sure. So we, I think it, you know, we need to be proactive and aware as parents that in every interaction with our kids, we're communicating. Are we communicating what we intend to, or are we accidentally communicating things that we wouldn't say and don't believe but our behavior is modeling that. Okay, so if I'm a parent and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, you know, I've got two or three kids under the age of 10 at the house and, wow, I do this all the time. I'm, I'm a horrible parent. I'm a complete failure because I, I'm busy. I'm, I'm trying to cook supper. I'm trying to get ready. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a single parent and I'm, and I'm trying to balance all of the house, household duties. Um, or, or maybe we're just, we just live a busy lifestyle and I think, wow, what you're telling me is, I'm horrible. <laughs> how, how am I? Is it too late? Am I? Am I? Am I? How do I change that? Or how do I balance the need to to get things done with uh, with the with the need to make sure I'm not implanting too many uh, false truths in my children? Well, let me at least point out the all of a sudden I'm thinking I'm a horrible parent goes to the I'm not enough, I'm bad, faulty beliefs. Okay. Um, so let's at least recognize hey, uh, there is a difference in who I am and what I do. Okay, so maybe my behavior in a moment hasn't been helpful. Maybe I have a long track record of behavior that has been unhelpful or unintentionally negative, uh, even though that wasn't my plan. Okay, what can I do in the future? Because I can't go undo all of that. And it's not about I'm a bad parent. It's about we live in a broken world. There are no perfect parents. Every parent does harm on one level. You know, one parent... 
uh, responds in anger and you know pushes their child across the room, breaks their arm. Uh, another parent respond, responds in anger and calls their child all kinds of horrible names and, and uses profanity at them. One of those injuries will heal in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, the other will be there for a lifetime because that child will always hear those words. For the rest of their life, they will hear those words over and over and over. I, I can't undo the damage. I can start changing my behavior. Um, but again, it's not... We're not trying to guilt people. Oh, you've been a horrible person. Hey, let's alert people. Hey, maybe there are things that you're doing that you're not even aware of. Hey, it'd be more helpful to be aware of it than to continue to be blind to the effect. Right, and it's a it's a process. If I hear what you're saying, I mean, there's 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 uh, just because I feel again going straight back to the, those core beliefs, I feel like I'm a horrible parent, but I'm not because I can always change the future of what's going right. and there's forward. probably a lot that I've done well. The fact that there are some things I haven't doesn't make me a horrible parent. It makes me a human parent, uh, a typical parent. And all of us, there, there are things that we excel at. There are things that we don't. Uh, that's just just the nature of the beast, so to speak. Sure, sure. So these core beliefs, as we move forward, where do we where do we draw Scripture into these things? Where do we pull, uh, where do I look to God to, to set these core beliefs? Is there a way to kind of lay some foundation there in terms of going forward, of where I can look for wisdom, look for look for counsel uh, in terms of setting those core beliefs? Uh, I believe there is. As a matter of fact, the uh, what I would argue are the four most common faulty beliefs are right there in Genesis chapter 3, the first eight verses. Uh, if anybody has seen me and Legend, or used to be me and Baby Ruth, my, my you know, Rottweilers, uh, if you've seen that presentation, this is going to be very familiar sounding. Uh, because in that conversation between the woman and the serpent, these four beliefs get played out. The don't trust, I'm not enough, I'm bad, I'm not safe. So there, I think there's evidence very early on in Scripture of as humans... You know, we, we struggle with believing things that aren't true. And once those beliefs are in there, they have a huge effect on how we interact in our environment. Uh, but as far as the, uh, the solution, I think that's also in there. You know, Jesus said, you'll know my truth and the truth will set you free. And I think ultimately that's, no, no pun intended, that's at the core of these beliefs. The negative is we believe something that's not true. Okay, well, the solution to that is being able to accept as true what is true. You know, again, the subconscious, it's not just a, okay, I'm just going to choose to believe it. It's a, it's more of a process of, man, something in there was, was first. Uh, so if the faulty belief was adopted early, it's going to, going to take time uh, and a process to begin to replace, okay, here's what feels true with what is true. For me, one of those core beliefs that got planted way back in childhood People don't want you around, or me, so you're speaking from my experience, people don't want me around. I'm just a bother. Nobody really wants me. Nobody really likes me. And I was 30, 36 years old before I even was aware that that belief was in there. Uh, but I can look back at my history, and man, that makes so much sense. Why, when I walk into a room and I know people in the room, instead of going and engaging with people I know, I would just go you know, stand aside somewhere or sit at the back of an auditorium. I noticed I did it. I had no idea why I did it. Uh, oh, because I believe people didn't want me there. Mm -hmm. People would rather me not be there. Well, no wonder I spent most of my time isolating myself. But now, when when that core belief, which it's still in there, I mean, I can't just reach in and make it go away. Right. But the fact that I'm aware of it, now, when I recognize, oh, I'm, I'm isolating instead of engaging, I can override that with just a conscious choice. Okay, I know why I resist doing this, but I also know that what feels true isn't accurate. 
And so let me just make the choice right now, instead of uh, being a slave to that core belief, let me choose to do something based on what I know is accurate. And there are some people who consider me a friend. There are some people who like me around. I'm not saying everybody in the world does, but there are some people who enjoy my company. Is, so, is that the constant struggle is trying to believe the truth, to convince yourself that the truth, the real truth is the truth? Right. And uh, the, the more those new neuron connections get formed and we reinforce them, the more those become default over time. But again, it goes back to interaction. We were wounded in relationship. We heal in relationship. So as I'm interacting with people and the way that they are treating me communicates the truth, reinforces the truth, that becomes default over time. So again, it would be nice if we could just fast track all of this. and It was as simple as, oh, I know that's not true. This is true. Boom. There we go. And sometimes it is that simple. Right. Uh, but there are other things that, that they just feel so true at a core level. For example, from a, theologically, um, someone may it may it just feels like God is so disgusted by my sinfulness. God couldn't possibly really love me. He, he loves everybody else on the planet, but he couldn't really love me. Well, theologically, I can just be introduced to the truth. God loves me. Well, if it was just that simple. Uh, oh, God loves you. Great. Smile. Put a smiley face on. God loves everybody. Jesus loves me. Sing the song. We, and, and we feel totally different. But my experience in working with people is that just because I know that truth doesn't mean that's how I feel. And I would say that's one of the most common disconnects. I can know God loves me, but I don't feel like God loves me. And that's an example of the, the power of a core belief. So when a lot of times we see this in behavior, um, behavior doesn't follow stated beliefs. Mm -hmm. So we, we sometimes talk about um, your actions betray your words. Mm -hmm. You say you believe this. You say you believe God loves me. Mm -hmm. But then your actions are not congruent with that statement. Your actions are not consistent with the stated belief that you had. So mm -hmm. you say you believe this, but then your actions speak something completely different. And, and I guess, again, here we are in that triangle um, uh, that feeling part of that triangle is perhaps what's different is what's, is what's changing that. I, well, that there, I think there are a lot of times where I do believe what I say on a logical level, but if it's not consistent with what feels true inside, what I believe has nothing to do with it because every time what's buried down in there on the core belief level is going to be the default. And that's what I typically will respond to. If I believe I'm ugly, it doesn't matter how many people tell me I'm attractive. And I think the world is full of attractive people who can't get enough of being told they're attractive, but somewhere inside they don't feel attractive. Now, you know, whether we're talking about Hollywood level or just, you know, people in our communities that we interact with. Right. I think our world is full of people who just, it's insatiable. I want to know I'm lovable, I'm attractive, and the misuse of sexuality is a big piece of this. Sure. Uh, but, but it feels that I'm not, but I want to hear that I am. But it doesn't matter how many times I hear it. If I believe I'm ugly, I can hear a thousand times that I'm attractive, I will still desperately do whatever I have to to hear it a thousand and one times. Because once that core belief is there, until I can find a way to pull it out and let the truth replace it, I'm always going to be a slave to it. And I guess social media is one of those things that has kind of amplified this whole process uh, because we see all the messages coming in from social media, 
and all the messages I'm putting out on social media, um, it, it doesn't seem like it would be hard to to analyze someone pretty quickly and say these seem to be the the core beliefs that they're operating on just by seeing how people interact. That's what we that's what we do. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier for for third parties or for friends to uh, know what our core beliefs are than it is for us to know what our core beliefs are. Um, that's just, you know, observation of our behavior, things that we say, all of those are telltale signs of what we believe inside. But, you know, we all have blind spots. So, And that comes back to that relationship part, healing through relationship, because a lot of times I'm too, uh, to use an old phrase, I'm too too embedded in the trees to see the forest. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't see what's going on around me because it's too close to me. Um, and therefore, I have to trust someone else. Again, we're back to that whole problem of do I really believe what they're telling me? Uh, you know, one of the core beliefs that we can struggle, struggle with is don't trust. I mean, how many people have control issues? I'm doing my air quotes with, you know, right here. How many people have control issues and they don't think they're controlling? But everybody who's close to them knows all too well how controlling that they are. That Again, that goes back to the way that we act. The things that we say reveal what we feel inside. And so if I've got control issues, there's more than likely somewhere inside it feels like I can't count on other people. Other people won't do a good job. Nobody will do it as well as I will. And all, all that comes from somewhere. I mean, we don't just pick our core beliefs. We, we develop them through some perception or reality. So the first step for healing, for me, if I'm, if I'm approaching this, I'm listening to this, and I'm saying, okay, so first, obviously, we're all broken. We come from a broken world. So the first step would be, as you mentioned earlier, to try to identify what it is that I'm operating or where where those blind spots are for me. Yeah, identify the, the what feels true. Okay, in this moment, this is what feels true. Well, now that I'm aware of it, I at least have the opportunity to do something with it. Whether I choose to or not, it's another, that's another topic, but I at least have the opportunity that I can. So if I'm aware, I, I, something feels true that's not accurate. Okay, well, what is the truth? Let me identify what is accurate. And how do we go about that process? Uh, sometimes it's a, that's where logic kicks back in. Mm. At a subconscious level, this feels true, but logically I know this to be true. So logically, let me just focus on what what's the truth. If not, then I need to go. I need to be on a search for a what is the truth here. Um, but let's say I, I can identify the truth. Now I'm going to focus on the truth, and I'm going to put myself in in positions to have that truth reinforced by people. So I may have to make a request. Hey, I'm go. I go to a close friend. I recognize I'm really struggling with this right here. Are there ways that you that you could help me with this, or are there ways that you see that this this could be addressed? Healthy relationship should help reinforce truth. Unhealthy relationship will certainly reinforce the the, the false messages. Mm-hmm. And then you know, so so basically, community becomes the answer. Uh, surround myself with healthy community. And in that healthy interaction, the, you know, the, what is true gets to be reinforced. And then I would certainly add in the, you know, reach out to God. Matter of fact, if, if anyone has seen that, that presentation you know, from Ultimate Escape, uh, Transformed Through Connection, mm-hmm. uh, again, what I'm saying right now is going to sound very familiar, uh, which, by the way, it is available on our, on our website, ultimatescape.org. Uh, go to the parent portal, click on the media tab or mouse over media, and the drop-down menus there, just click on the, the Transformed Through Connection. But I want to focus on the truth, uh, surround myself with healthy community, and ask God for help. Because there are some there are times where it just takes God working in ways that only He can 
to take that false belief and, and remove it and replace it with the truth in a way that we can accept. Because there's a difference, and I know it's true, but subconsciously I'm, I'm still resistant to being able to embrace it. Okay, so as we wrap it up, I want to ask a, a, a question, again, from a parent-child perspective, maybe a parent uh, wanting to, to have more dialogue with their kids um, about this. What's a good first step around a dinner table, family time? What, what is a first step? How can we approach that subject, open more dialogue? Okay, let me uh, go two different directions with that. One, just the idea of you know, core beliefs and just uh, bringing up the term and giving a definition of what the term is. Uh, and give an opportunity to explore, you know, what, what are things that feel true to you? Maybe safe to talk about things that feel true about other people, not in our family right now, because as a parent, if I say what feels true, if they say it feels true that, you know, that, uh, that you hate me, uh, yeah. <laughs> we may not be in a good spot to have that conversation. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, let's, uh, let's just identify, you know, say, hey, what is something that feels true to you? Um, and, and so that help, hopefully will help get some dialogue going. But on the other side of that is how do I uh, how do I begin to reinforce the beliefs that I want my child to have? For example, I want my child to believe that they're important, and so I might need to address things that I've done in the past that erode that. Um, and so I'm going to take responsibility. There's going to be no uh, making excuses. It's just I'm going to address it head on. Here, here's the fact. Um, you know, as as your dad, uh, I'm concerned that maybe I've treated you in a way that makes you feel like you're not very important. And that's on me because I, I know I've done that in the past. And I apologize for that. I'm, I'm sorry that I've done that. Uh, I'm gonna be more aware in the future of, of what I'm communicating to you when we're interacting. Uh, and I, I hope uh, that my behavior and, and my words uh, reinforce that you are very, very important to me. Now the burden's on me moving into the future uh, to be aware and and make sure I'm doing that as follow up. And I think as as a as a family, we have we have four children. My wife and I uh, always value family interaction. We try to create situations where uh, the family is spending time together. Technology oftentimes seems to be something that robs us of that. And so we have times where we say, you know, no technology. We're gonna we're just gonna have conversations. But it's interesting because when we apologize for that and we're like, look, we we want you to cell phones are going away. Um, and, and we know we've made that mistake in the past. We're going to go forward with that. And we found it's very interesting. Kids are more than willing to call us out on those things. <laughs> but it does open that dialogue that we can say, yeah, you're right. My, my wife has a job that centers around social media and, and centers around technology a mm -hmm. lot of times. And so she is on her phone for business. Mm -hmm. But the kids will see that. And we go on vacation and they're like, you haven't put your phone down for three hours, mom. And she's like, oh, you know. You're right, you know, but uh, they are more than willing to call it out. When we, when given permission to do so, mm -hmm. they are more than happy to do that, but it does give us an opportunity to then to move forward with that and say, yeah, you're right, I fail as well. Let's talk about those failures and where, where do mm -hmm. you, where are you fail? Do you, do you have, do you struggle with some things like that sometimes too? Mm -hmm. And that, that creates, uh, we've found that that creates a really good opportunity to, to move that conversation forward. And I would say kudos to you guys for allowing kids to speak the truth and, and say what they think. You know, because you know, the definition of, or one of the characteristics of an unhealthy family would be where we can't speak the truth. Everybody can see it. We know that it's there. 
but nobody dares talk about it. So, sure, you know, it's, and, it's and it hurts sometimes. I, I'll be, True. we'll be honest, it hurts sometimes. But uh, our philosophy has always been, what well, you know, we're the parents, so we're the ones that have to yeah. step up and take those, take those bullets uh, when they come. But, yeah. uh, but it is, it is hurtful sometimes. Uh, but, uh, but in the long run, it seems to to produce a much healthier relationship. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for coming by. Um, uh, we we really appreciate it, and that is a core belief. So we're going to hold on to that. Uh, And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks again for joining us on the Ultimate Escape Podcast. Remember, if you have any questions or would like to provide some feedback or know more about the Ultimate Escape ministry and all the things that they do, find us on our website at ultimateescape.org. And don't forget to recommend us to your friends and family. You can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and even Alexa. Simply ask Alexa to play the Ultimate Escape Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. I'm David Chenault. This is the Ultimate Escape Podcast.